1: who was, oh, without a shadow of a doubt, giving him lip.
2: Oh, I say, it's amazing.
1: He does it tame, and tame, and tame again. Crank up the music, charge it
3: The Oxford English Dictionary has its Turkish Super League moment. Glenn Hoddle turns into a little friendly cartoon dog. The acceptable ways for all mainstream scorelines to unfold for the neutral. Excessively soundtrack fishing with Bobby Zamora. The six year saga of Gareth Southgate's proper football postman. And the six yard box flopping, armband transferring, throw in delaying, back onto the pitch rolling, ball shielding lineup that is the pure time wasting 11. Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Cliches. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 197 of Football Clichés. I'm Adam Hurry and with me for the adjudication panel once again this week is David Walker. How's it going? Very well. How are you? I'm alright. Um, a little perturbed by this bit of feedback from one listener who said he felt shortchanged by Tuesday's For My Sins Corner. I thought it was a really pleasant twist on the theme. I didn't think it was a short-changing...
2: Uh, I'm sort of with him, actually. I thought it was a bit of a
4: bait-and-switch manoeuvre on your part. People are just scared of innovation, aren't they? That's, that's, yeah. that's the problem.
3: That's right. Um, those words of wisdom are from Nick Miller. Other things to address from Tuesday's episode, Nick. Many people got in touch to point out that it was not Brian Kerr, the former Republic of Ireland manager on League of Ireland co-commentary on Tuesday's episode. It was former Blackburn, Preston and Burnley ace, Keith Tracy. Um, poor from Us? Us? well from us yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't hear any of you questioning it that's, that's what...
4: <laughs> yeah we just we just swallowed it we, we win together and we lose together come on
3: yeah too right apologies to Brian Kerr apologies to the 14 people who tweeted in to correct us and thanks a million to listener Joss who told us it was Brian Kerr so uh, yeah thanks for that let's see if we can increase our accuracy on this adjudication panel. Um, reluctant to kick things off with the sort of thing you might hear on sort of regional breakfast radio shows once every six months, but I couldn't ignore this one. The Oxford English Dictionary has announced their latest quarterly release of new words. And, um, Dave, there's there's 15 football-related terms that have been added, conveniently enough, just ahead of the World Cup. Are alarm bells ringing in your head now? I mean, it, it, it's a heavyweight organ the Oxford English Dictionary, but I, I, I feel we're about to wade into cringeworthy territory.
2: Yeah, and it it does seem that the sort of it's becoming more and more low brow mm.
4: as we go on, right?
3: Yeah. Yeah, Nick, would you agree that the, the bar for getting into the dictionary these days is, is unhealthily low?
4: I think so. And it's, it's also, there's just stinks of gr- the sort of grubby opportunism that you don't expect of such, a, you know, such a, an august publication.
3: Exactly. Uh, but let's ru- run through some of these football-related terms that they've included. Penenka, Dave, only as a noun, I'm delighted to say. I'm glad they haven't been sucked in by the verb extremists. Penenka is a noun only. Good.
2: Okay. So you what does it penenka say? Someone. What does it? What does it? Have you got the description?
3: Yeah, the Oxford English Dictionary describes a penenka as a penalty kick in which the taker lightly chips the ball into the centre of the goal at the moment that the goalkeeper dives to one side. Frequently and in earliest use as a modifier, as in penenka penalty, penenka chip, etc. Lightly chips. That's about right, isn't it?
2: Yeah. Although I do recall there being a few over the years, such as um, I think Sergio Ramos. He's sort of a heavy, a heavy penenka.
3: Hmm.
2: It's kind of into the top of the net a few times, but yeah, no, it's a, I think it's a, it's a fine definition.
3: I think it's important, Nick, that the the OED emphasises the daintiness of a penenka. Even if it does kind of narrow the window of it slightly.
4: Yeah, I, I'm just slightly disappointed that there was no mention of what a d- kind of devious act it is. That, hmm. You know, possibly in reference to. I, I think I don't want to go k- too early with Keizy, but uh, the Kesey <laughs> did did once go off on one about uh, what a sort of you know underhand tactic it was. That oh, was just, really? Yeah, it this. was just just designed to embarrass the goalkeeper, and it shouldn't. It's not on, and oh, players should right. be banned. Yeah, I can hear. Yeah. <laughs> Good kiesying, excellent.
3: You've been practising. Elsewhere, um, there's Rabona, Total Football, Gagan Pressing, Tiki Taka, Park the Total Bus. Total Football?
4: Yeah. Because <laughs> well, these, well, these, these are all terms that have been around for, you'd expect that these would be kind of new terms that are just yeah. being added to the dictionary. But these yeah. are terms that have been around for like 40 years. Yeah, so. you're right.
3: This, this pattern will continue as we go on. Um, park the bus, Nick, which the OED grudgingly admit that Mourinho never actually said. <laughs> I never actually said those words. But I, I kind of understand why they have to have it.
4: Do, do they also go into how he never actually said that he is the special one as well, which is a, a, a frequent bugbear of mine?
3: Yeah, I mean, yeah, things like the special one really, I guess, borderline cases for the OED. I mean, where do you stop with this sort of stuff? Park the bus, I guess, is, has just about passed into general use enough to have it so I'm fine with that um, Rosed, Dave well um I particularly like their very matter-of-fact description of Rosed, a notional area high and far back in the stadium humorously said to be the destination of a powerful but inelegant clearance wildly misdirected shot etc if it
2: all go if it all goes tits up for you on this podcasting columnist lark oh yeah you'd be you'd be great working for the uh, for the OED
4: yeah I was I was just gonna okay. I was I was, I was gonna put a slightly more negative spin on that and say are, are we are we thinking sort of tanks on lawn here are, are the OED trying to kind of encroach on the this podcast territory?
3: Well, it doesn't seem like they're particularly at the cutting edge from what I can see so far. Uh, it's it's, 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 all...
4: it's entry level stuff, but you it know, really still you have got to keep an eye.
3: Yeah, and seemingly only interested in in this sort of stuff. Uh, before the start of a World Cup, which is a bit fair weather of them. Um, Elsewhere, Trequatista has made it into the OED. Zonal marking, for the first time, is now in the OED. Um, Michael Cox himself not among the uh, citations, I can reveal.
4: Uh, Still, that's not going to do anything for his ego, is it?
3: No, but he is one of the citations for False 9, Dave, so... Oh, really? Ego intact.
4: Oh, oh my God. Okay.
3: (laughs) Squeaky bum time, Nick... I I I don't want to nail my colours to the mast here too firmly, just in case we get into an, another controversy. But I have I think at the back of my mind, I absent mindedly assumed that squeaky bum time related to nervous farting.
4: Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, is, is it not that? No, not according to the OED. Oh my god,
3: the fray... I mean, after going into the context of it being Ferguson's invention, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, he says the. Uh, the OED says the phrase has been explained as a reference to the sound of someone shifting restlessly on a plastic seating during tense closing stages of a contest.
2: There is no way that that is that is rubbish. <laughs> They've bottled it there.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Squeaky bum time for the OED. Wow.
4: It kind of, it sort of makes sense, does it? I think it that 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 you could kind of sort of pass that off i mean obviously it's not what fergie meant but um i think it's 50 50 i mean yeah,
3: I, yeah um the, the nervous shuffling in a seat could could cause that sound but i don't think it's a particularly universally understood sound is it dave no, no. and they don't squeak hmm.
5: have
3: you ever been a, you both of you must have
2: sat on hundreds of plastic football stadium seats in your time have you ever have you ever heard
3: only one if you were sat with a bare ass, yeah. Exactly. Seat squeak.
4: <laughs> yeah, which I which you very rarely see uh, for well, you know so, some so uh, occasionally when when people have enjoyed the afternoon a bit too much, then you know. But no,
3: Speedo guy at
4: Everton, he could uh, he could yeah. make a
3: seat squeak. Even yeah. then, it
4: would be more of a squeaky thigh.
3: Yeah, exactly. Oet, as Dave says bottled it um <laughs> so the general theme as you pointed out quite rightly nick is that some of these are very dated but the majority of them i would say are kind of late mid to late 2000s kind of phenomena it's like the turkish super league transfer window for the oed <laughs> they've put together some very tired but but storied phrases all together in one place and so, it's it, actually quite underwhelming to look at them all in one in one go
4: squeaky bum time is their equivalent of mishi bachwati yeah, so.
3: <laughs> Yeah, it is an underwhelming collection of words. Is this really all we're capable of in the modern era, Dave?
2: I'd love to know what is the bar. What? Why do they choose certain things and why do they not not choose others? Do they look around and see how many times it's being used on the internet or something like Gagan pressing for example? That sort of. I mean, what is that? 10 years old now, maybe something like that. that's when it's first started coming into proper, like into usage, really.
3: Interesting, you you pose that question because, um, in each entry, they offer one of the earlier citations of this, and um, and and they're quite happy to just cite random people on Twitter, which I think is, well, I guess, quite democratic of them. But, um, uh, for Gagan pressing, it's a tweet from 2012, June 2012. Someone said, I read somewhere about this Gagan pressing system of BVB. Is that similar to Barca? He seems to be perfect for that formation. It's almost like, what's this? So the kind of incredulity of the whole concept back in 2012, uh, yeah, just goes to show that, you know, you need a good 10 years for these things to pass into kind of mainstream use.
2: But yeah, but then as I said earlier on, total football is a thing from, what, the
3: 70s? Yeah, yeah. It's it's very odd that it's... it's mm. They've suddenly decided. well, I guess we better have it. But you know, if you're scraping around for topical things, Nick, for the start of the World Cup, you're <laughs> going to have to find something somewhere.
4: <laughs> Where next? On, you fear for the OED that they're going to get shitty email from so, you, Sam Allardyce of the world, saying, "Oh, invented closing down. Did they in 2012?" <laughs>
3: Excellent. Some of these things go back a lot further than I realised. Zonal marking, Dave, was first used in 1958, which I guess is kind of okay. I mean, it's the kind of start of analytical approach to football. Um, Ro Zednik goes back to 1943 in Nation magazine in the US. But presumably they wouldn't have had, well, if it was a US thing, maybe, but in 1940s
2: it
4: would have all been terracing. That's true. Have, did,
2: you have, did you have rows when it was? Testing?
4: Yeah, I think was, there was still seating. At the maybe like only on one side. On one but side, I maybe, think yeah, my, yeah, most yeah. most grounds yeah. did, did have seats. Well, yeah, this,
3: this this nearly eighty year old reference doesn't actually refer to sport at all. It says the subtle detail of the impersonation and much of the singing do not reach a person in row Z of the huge auditorium. So it's a theatre thing, huh? an auditorium thing. Originally, yeah, I can see how it might have spiralled out of control. But um, yeah, overall, quite an underwhelming set of things. Um, OED, bell me up. I'm ready <laughs> to, to breathe new life into your football vocabulary. Next up, Jack Bullock writes in Dave. It says, Afternoon, chaps. During my game on Sunday, I saw the referee pull out an energy pouch from his sock during the <laughs> second half, consume it in one wow. gulp and throw it off the side of the pitch. When I asked why he needed an energy pouch, he replied that he was a box to box referee.
2: <laughs> what a twat.
3: What a twat. Oh. Lovely. What an embarrassing thing to say. I mean oh, goodness sake. Th- that's what you do. Yeah. <laughs> Some are happy just to sort of stay in the centre circle and sort of swivel around, I guess. Um, Maybe it is quite a rare thing at Sunday League level for a referee to be that. I mean, you do obviously see a variety of referees in all
2: sorts of shapes and sizes could turn up on any given Sunday League match. But, I mean, even the worst, even the
3: most out of shape ones sort of generally try and keep up with play and run about a bit. (laughs) In their defence, Nick, I don't think it's necessarily about having an engine, especially at that level. I think it's just all about angles. If you can get the angle right, you're okay, right?
4: <laughs> so, what the refereeing yeah. equivalent of the first two yards being a Teddy Sheringham's head?
3: <laughs> and presumably, sometimes you do have to
2: go into the box as well.
3: Yeah, for sort of administrative reasons, just to oversee a penalty. I mean, where are they standing for corners? That that would be weird. I mean, yeah, uh, but good to know that they care about the, you know their match engine. At that level,
4: also, um, it kind of op- opens the gate for uh, other so- sorts of mis- midfielders. You know, I'm a, actually am a holding, I'm a Macauley role ref- referee, or something <laughs> a goal, like. hanging,
3: referee, goal Jack hanging referee. Also yeah. suggests that would be not useful at all, depending on what end the action's at. I- listen, Ian Russell has offered up: This is great. This is Glenn Hoddle turning into a little friendly cartoon dog as Tottenham <laughs> struggled to play out from the back against <laughs> Eintracht <Seinfeld> Frankfurt. <laughs>
4: so this is a bit tight. <laughs> the... i quite like that because uh, when I mean, there is a very specific sort of set of noises that that, that apply to to exactly that situation where you where a, a team is messing around with it at the back you do, i i find myself making lots of sort of strange involuntary noises while, when my team does that so yeah, yeah. i quite like it
3: yeah, it's the perfect breeding ground for this sort of thing, Dave. And I do think that Neville and Carragher have opened the floodgates with this. It's now it's now perfectly acceptable for the co-commentator, who may or may not have a vested interest in one of the clubs mucking around with it at the back, sort of emitting a very unusual sound. It's kind of part of the tapestry now, isn't it?
2: Yeah, definitely a Neville and Carragher thing. It's sort of evolved a bit from Gary Neville's initial...
3: Uh, that was The, the um, Golgasm was the sort of genre-defining <laughs> effort, wasn't it? I think it remains. Yeah. Yeah.
2: But but it's, yeah, as you say, it's a lot more now involuntary noises, character. Oh, oh, lots mm. of groans when there's tackles. Yeah. I like, the... like What's Hoddle doing, I mean, trying to think about what he might have actually been doing there.
4: Was he doing <laughs> squeaky bum that time? That was a ghost. That was, uh, it was kind of mid range roller coaster, I think, that was it. <laughs>
3: But yeah, at the same time, um, you know, perfectly suitable for the situation, I guess. And, and then Frankfurt did indeed nearly score after that, so warranted. Right, uh, on the back of very interesting conversation we had on Tuesday's episode about the well-poised scoreline of the Manchester derby, Nick, you, you were particularly keen on the 6-3. You thought it was very balanced and you felt like it was a scoreline where you had to delve further into figuring out what had gone on.
4: Yeah, if you you just you just look at the scoreline, you don't know how that game has panned out.
3: Yeah, it did make me think, if we took the full set of mainstream scorelines, all the right way up to its upper limit, let's decide how us as neutrals would want these games to pan out. So Dave, I'll hit you straight away with 1-0. How does a good 1-0 turn out? Like, when do you want this goal to be scored? What do you want the dynamic of the game to be? Definitely not too early. Oh, it's awful uh, if it's too early. Yeah. But too late also frames the game too too much, doesn't it? It's too much of a big deal if it's a late goal.
2: Yeah, so maybe, maybe like, well, I don't know then. Maybe that's a good thing. But like, there was a, Manchester United beat Southampton 1-0 recently and Bruno Fernandes scored in like the 62nd minute or something like mm-hmm. that. It was sort of, mm-hmm. in that. it was round the hour-ish mark, maybe a bit later. I think that was a good solid... No frills, one nil.
4: I I I, dis- I disagree. I like I would like a, a, an early one. I want I want the away slash inferior team to score in the first twenty minutes and then doggedly hold out against you, your your you Manchester City, Liverpool's of this world. Okay, that's for a For the remaining seventy.
3: Okay, so you're inter- you're you're adding some extra context, which I think might be actually quite useful here. So yeah, so away away underdogs scoring relatively early, but not too early. Yeah. And then yeah. holding on, but just enough time for it to become interesting for it to watch the rearguard action. Okay. Exactly. So, w- what yeah. sort of time are you saying? First uh, half?
4: Yeah first, first half, half it? yeah, first half. Yeah, uh, first half, between, around 25 minutes maybe? Maybe yeah. 20, 25 minutes, I think.
3: Yeah, sounds about right. Interesting. Okay, a 1 1 draw, Nick. Ostensibly not an unacceptable scoreline. You could look at it and think, okay, that game was okay, but it could also conceivably be quite boring as well. A last minute equaliser would be okay. Hearts breaking left, right and centre. I would take that.
4: Yeah, definitely. And Specifically, I want the superior team to go 1-0 ahead relatively early, but then waste a load of chances. Take they, their foot they, off the gas. They, they mm. take their foot off the gas and they rue a number of missed chances. Yes. And then, then the inferior team equalises very late on ruing very important here. I, I actually I don't think a last minute/injury slash injury time equalizer would be great. You I, I, what I would like is uh, an equalizer maybe about 82 minutes. So it gives the superior team time to panic. Yep. And really kind of really tr- sort of go for it. Sets
2: up a grandstand finish. Yes, it does set up a grandstand
4: finish. Yes, it does.
3: Excellent. Yeah, just enough time for people think there's still a chance. Absolutely. Right, 2-1 Dave. 2-1 you know if you had to if a non-football person had to pick a scoreline, they're going to pick a two-one. It's it's the most footbally scoreline of all. How do you want your two-one panning out?
2: Well, I would quite like it as to be as an extension of the one-all for the for the for the winning goal to be scored in a grandstand finish.
3: Yes. Yeah. Now we're definitely allowing super injury time situations here. A real sort of roof coming off this place kind of situation. Um, as far as the other goals are concerned, I don't really care. Um, one could be a penalty. Don't really mind. It's all about the it's all about the climax here, isn't it?
4: I'd, I'd like a in one of these scorelines. I'd like a, I'd like a routine because mm. just just for you know because because it, it, it's sometimes it's comforting to have the 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 banal and the normal. I don't think what's the most routine scoreline is that that's, two, that's two nil. I think two 0 yeah. isn't it? Yeah. We've got we've we've got the kind of solid
3: staples out the way here. We've done we've dealt with those. It was just about to become quite repetitive, but now we're at two nil and. 2-0s, I, I agree, are the start of routine situations. And and I think Michael Cox might have put this on the podcast a long, you know, 190-odd episodes ago when he's saying he really likes a 2-0 win by a team who are completely dominant, completely in control of things, almost Mourinho, just Chelsea style, where they score fairly early in the first half after, you know, starting, starting brightly. And then it's just a... They weather a bit of a storm and then they sort of put the game to bed at about sort of late 60s, early 70s by just sort of slotting one... Away on the counter-attack and that's it. Job done. So two 0 is a, a game management kind of scoreline, isn't it?
4: And a nice one in that scenario would be if the second goal is a penalty, because it kind of, it's, it, particularly if it is, uh, you know, a really dominant team against a, a, a smaller team, because it kind you, you kind of gives the scope for everyone to be happy with that or relatively satisfied, because the the the. Better team have got their three points, and the inferior team can kind of say, "Well, at least we didn't get hammered, you know, five nil." And you know, the, the second second goal was a penalty, and, so, and then concede the first that that can happen to anyone. So never mind, move on next week. So yeah, I think the, the, oh, oh, of course the other the other version of two 0 that I quite like is essentially Mourinho's Chelsea, but in that Liverpool gerard slip game, where they score first, they score early on the home team or the team that needs to win more, piles on the pressure for the rest of the game, only for the other team to score a kind of late uh, spirit crusher.
3: Yeah, I like that too. Nice, nice twisting of the, of the narrative there. Dave, how much of a goal in each half fundamentalist are you? Yeah, I mean, that, I think that does add to the routineness of it mm. and the symmetry
2: of it. Yeah. Um, just to sort of underline the sort of the authenticity of the 2-0 my Sunday team, Ribblesdale Rovers, won two 0 on Sunday, and one of the players who, who who actually wasn't playing that day sent every upon hearing the result sent the message in the WhatsApp group and said, "Well done, lads! Love a two 0 That's proper football."
5: It
3: is. I mean, <laughs> again, you don't you don't see it very often in Sunday League, do you? Yeah, mean, exactly. You, you you'd be in the pub going. You'd feel like real professionals, wouldn't you? if we've, yeah. we've done the job here. Was it? Did it feel like a professional victory?
2: It 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 did really. We scored two in the first half, actually two in quick succession, actually in the first oh, half, right. and then and then but then just did quite calmly saw out the second half. Created oh. some chances, didn't take them, but we were never in trouble. Did well, did anyone to use the phrase game management? They didn't, mm. but we did. We did manage the game relatively well.
3: That's an acceptable alternative to the to the goal in each half, because I think it's like the, the newspaper would report uh, two goals in quick succession in the first half were enough. To see off mm. opposition X, so that's fine. Um, let's go on to three one. Three one is um, another very poised scoreline. Nick, um, I would like it to go like this: Team X goes one nil up, then two nil up. Team Y pull it back to two one, and then it's kind of an arms reach situation. It's going, ah, no, go away.
4: Yeah, I've got that for for a um, for a, one slightly further down down the list. I quite like. Uh, I, I quite like one that's, that sort of happened to uh, sort of happened to my team, Forest, recently. Uh, it was Forest went one 0 up and then, in fact, this, hap- this happened twice. Uh, <laughs> went one 0 up and then conceded three rapid fire goals. Mm. Um, that there was, even though I was kind of suffering greatly, and actually those games finished three two, but that's that's not important. <laughs> um, <I> quite <laughs> minor en- detail. I, I quite enjoyed the sort of the 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 cadence of it. It, it was like. The the team that initially taken the lead had their their hopes built up for a, a period of time and then mm. absolutely dashed in the second half.
3: Um, three one is the sort of territory, Dave, where you can start getting into kind of comprehensive victory chat. You, mm. could, could you have an emphatic three one? Mm. You could have a comprehensive three
2: one. Can you? Well, I think if it's maybe if you're three nil up and the, the the one is a late consolation. Yeah. That would add to the emphaticness of it or comprehensiveness of it. It's not emphatic. I think I don't I think the one takes away from the emphaticness. You could have a three one that wasn't convincing. really a three convincing <laughs> is three one. Not well, comprehensive. Yes. But you could have a three-one that wasn't really a three-one. So you mm. could have a team that so it's a two-nil. Your team could get one back and it's two-one, and they're on the front foot. They're pushing yeah. for the equaliser. They're piling forward, and then the team that's in the lead get capitalises on them being out of position, gets a, a last-second goal to make it three-one. But afterwards, you'd be go, you know what, three-one flattered them slightly. Oh, it's okay, really yeah. a three-one game.
4: Yeah, three-one's kind of just about in um, opposition uh, losing manager claims misleading scoreline territory Mm, Mm. yeah Yeah.
3: nevertheless in all of these scenarios the third goal will wrap up or seal the victory doesn't matter what the scenario of the game is your three nils and your four nils nick um definitely into convincing definitely into comprehensive and emphatic territory here but all i want as a neutral here is for the goals to be shared out nice and equally i don't want three goals in the first half an hour and then the game just to meander to a close i don't want all four goals in the first half and then they'd sort of pedestrian second half where it all peters
4: out share the goals out for us neutral do do you want two and two or would you satisfy is it settle for like one in the first half three in the second half one and
3: three seems fine yeah Um, yeah definitely not maybe not three and one three and one's not really good enough either Um, and I want the goals to be nice and varied as well Dave I I would accept one from a set piece one from a penalty but not two of each
2: yeah that would be weird yeah you want maybe one from outside the box whatever just a sprinkling of of glamour
3: and and this isn't a kind of, this isn't even a kind of a neutral um, thing either, um, the goal methods thing, Nick, because when my own team have, say, won 4-0 on a Saturday and I'll watch them on match of the day, in my head, if I know that three of the goals came from quite boring situations, I would think twice about watching it. I have to yeah. say, that's how spoiled I am. <laughs>
4: No, hundred percent. You want uh, you, you want a you want a little bit of variety. You want something, yeah. you want something interesting, and also uh, the, the the distribution of the goals is is key for the, the highlights watching. Because if you know that three, even four of the goals are coming in the first half, yeah. you just watch the first half and then you forward, fast forward through to the next game. Yeah, you'd like you'd like the fourth goal to be the spectacular one
2: to round ra- yeah. to round off the performance.
3: And it's not celebrated properly; it's just sort of plauded. Completely, yeah. just smugly applauded rather than yeah. actually joyously celebrated. Yeah, I and, think that's important. And if you get, if you do get a four nil,
2: not so much with a three nil, maybe. Depending, mm. well, dep- I think it does depend on the, on how close the goals come together if they're if they're early. But like, yeah, um, City against United on Sunday. I, I think one of my mates texted me saying, "Oh, this could this could be anything." <laughs> It's like we, it's never, it never becomes anything, does it? You've got to list three three
3: possibilities. You can't just say anything. Yeah. You've got to list your sixes, your sevens, and your eights. Um, Okay, on to to proper routes your four ones, your five ones, your six ones, your seven ones, Nick. Uh, This is all about the the one here. This This is crucial. I don't want the team to go ahead and then get battered. That's weird nothing, that's just odd. You'd have to really crumble for that to happen. Um, I don't really want the goal to be mixed in the middle. I want it to be a consolation goal and I want it to be an absolute stunner of a consolation goal as well that nobody can celebrate.
4: Oh, interesting. I I want the team that eventually wins to go up 1-0 and then an equaliser. Oh. And then I want a procession of goals from the team that wins because there's mm. I don't know as long as it's not as long as it's not my team involved there is there is something occasionally quite funny about spirits being crushed in that way
2: I don't like that, is that no? so that's a sort of scenario where say I don't know Crystal Palace would go 1-0 up on, at Manchester City as they did earlier this season, right? They went 2-0 well, up, 2-0 up, yeah. And it's just the inevitable sense of, oh, they'll come back and then they do it. And it just, it's just spoils the fun.
3: To combine these two scenarios, uh, at what stage of a, let's say, 5-1 victory could the one be a consolation? Now, if the if they went 1-0 up, that's not a consolation. If they equalised, not a consolation. No. Nope. 2-1, not a consolation. No. Nope. 3-1, not a consolation. It's 4-1 or more, right?
2: Yeah, yeah because because even a 3-1, it still gives you a glimmer of hope.
3: Oh, I might actually add a caveat here. If it's 3-1, but it was in the last, say, five minutes, that's still a consolation. Just, yeah, it is. Yeah, I suppose so. but If they don't it, go and grab the ball out of the net, it's a consolation. Yes, exactly exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's as simple yeah, exactly as that. that. It? Exactly it really that. is as simple as that. Glad we got there in the end. Uh, I can't be bothered to do 5-2, 6-2 two, two, or 6-3 unless either of you have very passionate observations on any of those. What about 4-2? Oh, oh, we haven't done 4-2. Why isn't 4-2 on my list the greatest scoreline of all? It is the greatest scoreline of all, isn't it, Dave? It's I think so. It's the best so. one you could possibly have. It's Anything it's, it's, more is silly. Anything less, well, it's not as good.
2: Yeah, but I mean, it's the middle point, isn't it? Like, like we said on on Tuesday, with the six three being proportionate to the two one, but it's but it is but it is still so far away from that. The four two just sits nicely in the middle.
3: You could remember all the goals off the top of your head. You wouldn't be able to do that in a six three. You could remember all the goals of a four two. All famous four twos <laughs> have been great games. Yeah, I mean, it's impossible to have a shit four two unless with the set piece slash penalty caveat mentioned earlier. And three twos are okay as well, Nick. I mean, but but if your team won three two, it doesn't feel satisfying enough, unless of course, I you won it in the last minute.
4: Yeah, so 3-2, 3-2, you can get into leads changing hands territory, which mm. is which is topsy turvy. Yeah, it's the, always I always find it quite enjoyable. So you know you, you go it's one nil, then one one, then two one, then two two, then three two. That's yeah. that that's that's quite nice. Is three two the first time you can get into thriller territory? Good question. Uh, can and you I have would a say? Uh, yes
3: you can't have a two goal thriller you can't have a three goal thriller you can't have a four goal thriller you can only have a five goal thriller and therefore it can only be three two (laughs) Uh, and thus that is where thrillers begin Um, uh, loads I mean Sky Sports' YouTube channel have been taking absolute liberties with this and I think it's entirely deliberate they're doing it for some reason Uh, It can't be SEO, so I don't know why they're doing it, but it's definitely deliberate. Pretty much everything from about 5-1 upwards is now considered a six-goal thriller on their YouTube channel, which is infuriating, but I know they're doing it deliberately.
2: So you wouldn't describe Sunday's game as a nine-goal thriller, would you?
3: It's close, but it's not. I mean, and certainly if you think about how the game panned out, it definitely wasn't a thriller. Um, But if United had sort of pulled it back level at any stage, or even gone ahead, it could conceivably have been a thriller, but it still would have resulted in a sort of a but waterfall I, I, of goals. Avalanche of goals, not a waterfall. You, you might disagree with this, but I, I don't think
2: any game should be described as a thriller if the margin of difference is more than one goal.
4: Oh, a 4-2 can be a six-goal thriller. I it, think can. It, it can. It, it can. It can. It, it can be a thriller if the result because obviously the, the 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 result on Sunday was never really it was never in doubt, but if if it's a if, it, if it's a four two, you could conceivably you know the losing team could go one 0 up and you know it could be fairly tight, and then the winning team scores to kind of lay on. I think there's there's enough thriller elements there to um, five three is an eight goal thriller conceivably. Yeah, yeah, but exactly. then of course you know the more goals that are
3: scored, you have to increase the margin, don't you, Dave? You have to make it a movable feast. Yeah, you do you
2: do yeah
4: okay I, I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before but la- uh, I think it was last season that a, a, a media person at a, a football club when I was at a game bounded up to me and said that he had thanks to this podcast he had persuaded someone who else on the media team not to refer to I think it was a 6-1 as a 7 goal thriller good 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 service
3: Yeah. by this podcast and that person we can't have this stuff it's disgraceful we'll end up in the OED or something and it'll be horrible uh, And <laughs> they won't know any better <laughs> idiots <laughs> Um, but if you are interested in thrillers, ninety-minute thrillers, then get yourselves down to watch the Football Cliches Live Show in London, Manchester, and Dublin this November. Just go to my just go to myticket.co.uk or just Google Football Cliches Live and join in the fun.
2: Let's hope it's a fruitful enough evening, not for us to have to get a consolation laugh in the, <laughs> in the final seconds of the show.
3: Well, that wouldn't be that would be grim. Hopefully, it will be a sort of yeah, just even flow of excitement throughout the entire. Forty-five minutes times two of that show. The only way to score is, of course, to play uh, with a handbrake off.
1: Hello, I'm Ian Stone, host of Handbrake Off, the twice-weekly Arsenal podcast, brought to you by The Athletic each week. I'm joined by two of Amy Lawrence, Adrian Clark, Art De Roche, and James McNicholas. What a lineup that is to talk about the best club in the Premier League. This week, join us to bask in the North London Derby glory. And let me tell you, do we bask? (laughs) Yes, we do. Come back later in the week on Friday as we look ahead to another massive tussle with Liverpool and look to keep the number one firmly by our name. Search for Handbrake Off Now, available wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, if you could hit follow to make sure you keep up with the best team, that's us. Covering the best team. That is Handbrake Off. So good we made it twice.
0: Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right.
5: Courtside seats to an NBA game and more. Head over to MicLobeUltra.com/slash courtside to learn more. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' Small Town Welsh Football Club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX's Welcome to Wrexham premieres May 2nd on FX. Stream on Hulu. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime Day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Oh, look at that.
1: That is wonderful. Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is football cliches.
3: Right, Nick, I'm going to play you a thunderous piece of music and just by the audio alone you'll think it's something quite dramatic and then the pictures will reveal that it is quite simply the grand fishing adventure with bobby zamora yeah weren't expecting this in the uk i think it's a big one got
4: my new pb yeah well it's like a goal at wembley
5: big girl grand fishing adventure baby <laughs>
4: It's the it's the bit at the end that really adds something to it. the the, the, the last note of the action film trailer. That really that's it's incredible. really
3: lovely. Again, we talk about bars being lowered, Dave. This this the grand fishing adventure with Bobby Zamora does not deserve this soundtrack. Simple as that. No, this is just, this is sort of creeping in. I think. What
2: was I watching the other day? And it was the same thing. I think it might be that um, that This England thing, you know, with the, the sort of COVID drama with Bob Kenneth Branagh playing Boris Johnson. Right. Like, all the breaks sound like the soundtrack to Dune or something. <laughs> like, Hans Zimmer have done it. Like, and it's just really overly dramatic. And, in a, you know, at least that is, is sort of dealing with quite heavy dramatic subject, but this is the bloody grand fishing adventure. Is it Jimmy Bullard and Bobby Zamora on a bloody boat?
3: Just to be absolutely clear here, Nick, this isn't just a single episode with Bobby Zamora and then presenter Ali Hamidi goes off and fishes with someone else. Bobby Zamora's on the whole series. Ali Hamidi and Bobby Zamora go on a bucket list fishing adventure around the UK. Come on.
4: It's not, um, it's not Bob Mortimer and Paul Whitehouse, is it? No. Exactly, fishing I, is a I d- quaint pastime. I, I don't know. There was something in that trailer that's. That I, 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 are they are they in on this? Are they? Uh, is this a deliberate? Because there was a there was one where the you know the clip where there was the dramatic music and he says, "Oh, I've caught a it's my new record." It cuts to a very tiny fish in his hands. So I don't know. Yeah, is this too knowing? I'm not sure. I don't know.
3: Maybe they are rolling these soundtracks out ironically, but. It um, seems like a mad idea for a programme to me, but still. Um, right, next. This, this has fascinated me the more I dug into it. Um, Gareth Southgate, Dave, was speaking at a charity event this week.
4: This
1: is a job where every decision, every selection is questioned, debated, ridiculed. That's just my postman,
3: by the way. <laughs> nice little by the way from Southgate. There, Um, so talking about the pressures of being England manager.
2: Before before we get into that, do we believe him?
3: Do we think specifically about the postman? Is he genuinely talking to his postman? Well, interesting question from you, because this appears to be a long-running saga. Nick? Back in 2016. Southgate is also keen to deliver entertaining football. He believes he is on the way to doing just that after getting positive feedback from his first four games at the helm. My postman told me after the last couple of games, that's how I like an England team to play. Oh come on. No way. Who is this guy? (laughs)
4: It's very gobby postman, isn't it? Yeah,
3: really gobby postman.
4: I suppose if you're a postman and you, you, you knock on someone's door, parcel's a bit too big to fit through the letterbox, and Gareth Southgate answers the door, you know, you are you gonna just hand over the parcel and say here you go and then just walk off? No, I think you
3: Sorry Gareth, I, I just want to say, just in case I never did it again, that's how I like an England team to play. Football idealist, this guy Dave, as well. I just
2: can't <laughs> I just can't picture it. South Gareth Southgate must surely live in a big
3: house. He lives in a massive house. Yeah, it, yeah. He lives in a massive house in the country. I can reveal. So it, it's conceivable that he probably has right. maybe does have the same postman. The postman has to do that particular round. Rural
2: postie. Mm. Yeah. So
3: that, yeah. So that's
4: 2016. Here's 2020. I think if I lived in the middle of London and was walking down the street every day, I mean, everybody obviously wants to pick your team. You know, the postman tells me you <laughs> I should be playing at right back. But
3: It's got to the point now where this postman is just a pain in the arse. Who is this guy? <laughs>
2: <laughs> the postman's weighing in on the Trent Alexander-Arnold debate.
3: Imagine how much turmoil this postman is in right now about the right back just, debate. Just writing, this, writing the 11 on the back of an envelope. <laughs> just handing it over. <laughs> <laughs> Gareth Southgate's postman, please get in touch. Um, are postmen kind of bound by client postman privilege, Dave? I worry. <laughs> it feels like well, they should like... be. They should be because there's a lot of power in those hands. They know where famous people live. They probably can't just give that information out, can they? I suppose, no. I
4: suppose he's not. He's worried, I don't know. It depends. I he's not. He's not allowed to sort of say that Gareth Southgate's been getting a lot of letters from the online revenue and everything. Like I think, but I think if he's, you know, he's Could allowed you tell to tell someone
3: in the pub. I am Gareth Southgate's postman.
4: He yeah, they, can, uh, right? that, that's fine, and you can you can I'm say, oh, I, you, you can you, you can tell him, oh, I, I you can I, say, I, oh, I told him to play four at the back uh, in the World Cup. <laughs>
2: yeah, but yeah. I think if England go crashing out in the group stages, and Gareth Southgate's postman leads a march on onto his <laughs> driveway, <laughs> <laughs>
5: mm.
2: I think then he would be overstepping the mark there. Yes, what surely so if he keeps mentioning it, mm. somebody somewhere is going to go. Can we get them two together? Yeah. <laughs> could we could we do a little bit with those two, the postman and Gareth Southgate? Could Gareth go on a round with the postman?
4: Well, if any, there was an online platform for these sorts of ideas. Do, do you remember the US election a few years ago when there, there, there was a guy called Joe the Plumber that the mm. the candidates kind of adopted as the, the kind of symbol of average middle American? So, uh, and it, this guy, well, firstly, his name wasn't Joe and he wasn't a plumber, but then he uh, he became like a kind of media figure for a short time. So maybe Gareth South- Southgate's postman is going to Jeff the postman. Jeff the postman. He's going to yeah. develop some kind of sort of D-list celebrity career for about two months after the World Cup. I reckon he'll have a Paddy Power advert by the uh,
3: exactly. by the end of the World Cup.
4: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Right, finally. <laughs> Mark, listener
3: Mark Ridley has written in. He says, "Would you consider doing a time-wasting 11 by positions?" Um he offers an example of the goalkeeper falling to the floor catching a routine cross as one of his. And which I think is I think is the funniest act of time-wasting there is, Dave, because you know when it's going to happen and the longer it takes for the goalkeeper to realize that they could do it, it even better. So I I think it's the 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 kinder face of time wasting is the goalkeeper just flopping on the floor. So oh, I think oh. that's, that has to be our choice for in goal, doesn't it?
2: Well, there are a few options, but that that is definitely the most acceptable bit of time wasting. No, no one really questions it. Never. The referee will never do anything about it. It's amazing. And it's, I think it's because, I think it's getting worse, though. I think it's almost expected now that mm. every goalkeeper should do it, and they yep. all they all play up to it, and you get ironic cheers mm. in the crowd and. But I think at some point Keezy will have a
4: word about this.
3: <laughs> is it is it big enough for Keezy's remit?
4: Oh, uh, well. well the, you're talking about a man who's been obsessed with Mikel, Arteta, <laughs> uh, Mikel Arteta's technical area for about a year now. So.
2: <laughs> but goalkeepers uh, do have a few other options up, up their sleeve, don't they? There's the moving the ball from one half side of the six yard box to the other yes. for a goal kick, really. Yeah really slowly it's it's um occasionally you'll see a goalkeeper try and subtly tell a ball boy not to throw the ball back too quickly mm. the sort of the anti-Joe
4: Hart yeah in, in <laughs> 2014 I, I, thing I, I like it when I also quite like it when a, a ball boy usually like a home ball boy when the away team are winning throws the ball quite urgently at the goalkeeper and the keeper just sort of lets it hit his chest yeah and just it dribbles off to one side. Yeah, the the laws of the game don't account for
3: how a player should accept the ball from a ball boy. Is that like, should yeah. you have to catch it? Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So, time wasting goalkeepers have got us off to a strong start. Fullbacks. Um, it's all about the throw-ins, Dave. Um, yeah. For right back, we'll, let's go to uh, Jordan Tendy who says um, a fullback spending 30 seconds looking for a towel or drying off the ball on his shirt before taking a throw-in. So sort of generally delayed throw-ins. There's lots of ways to do this, to elegantly delay a throw-in.
2: Yeah, to labour the point about looking, you know, not having any options to try and steal, like deliberately steal too much territory
3: mm.
2: with the throw, So you know you're going to get, the referee's going to have to pull you back. And yeah, yeah, it's, it is, it's an area that's ripe for dark arts, for, for, for minor dark arts.
3: Mm, I agree. Nick, uh- I'm in the process of this. I'm going to be stunned that we come up with at least 11 ways of time-wasting. Uh, ne- time-wasting has never really got my goat before, but I think it might do at the end of this. If we can find 11 different <laughs> ways of time-wasting, it's time FIFA did something about it. Let's go over to left-back. Tom Wright since fullback being thrown the ball by a ball boy and either dropping it or ignoring it and getting another one, forcing the opposition to go over and kick the spare ball off the pitch. Now, that would infuriate me as a game-chasing team supporter.
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. All of these just are just... Uh, I can't. I can't really get annoyed about them either, and particularly ones like this. Where you, I just find them, even if they're against my team, I find them quite funny. Yeah, uh, I'm annoyed, obviously, but it, but I'm kind of going, yeah, okay, that's fair enough. My team will be doing that as if we we're in the the other situation. So you know, it
3: takes nerves of steel, bare faced cheek, um, to sort of pull some of these things off. But at centre half, I quite like this one from Wild State, Dave says, centre-half becoming extremely conscientious about where exactly a free kick for offside should be taken from, looking to the ref for approval on three different ball spottings before calling the goalie forward to hoof it. I think at the core of some of the really, really crafty, subtle time-wasting, Dave, is giving the illusion that you're really um, adhering to the rules and looking to the referee saying, here, here, I'm doing it, I'm doing it, I promise I'm going to do it by the rules. Um, So trying to get the referee involved in it. I think yeah. it's the, the real subtle art.
2: Yeah, slightly passing the buck, really. But yeah, well, especially if like for the rest of the game, you would have been stealing five yards here and there, every and everywhere for for every free kick. I like I like getting the goalkeeper involved. Yeah, that's good. good. You can do that on throw-ins as well. You can sort of decide, and then they just yeah. Actually, you know what. I'll give not it to the full
3: anyway. Nick, how about this from Ben? Centre-half taking off his captain's armband and then jogging up to the striker to give it to him and then helping him put it on yeah, before the, the, being the, substituted. What is this about helping players put armbands on? It's not difficult. Why do they need help?
4: It's uh, Well, I mean, it could be. It's one of two things, I suppose. One, it is just a time-wasting thing and this will take a bit longer and then I'll trudge off the pitch Hmm. but the the way that footballers I think feel about captaincy and the captain's armband it's like quite ceremonial isn't it I am the captain but now I'm going off so I the captain hand over to you uh you know it's like kind of blessing someone with a sword or something yeah
2: and they're less they're less often um an actual full band now they're often like a velcro thing aren't they yeah so that's why I think people need a bit of assistance sometimes with the uh, with the application of it. If you, you can't always get your you can't always get your
3: hands around to fasten it on properly. Quite like the idea that linesmen have to help referees put their watches on. On you know because <laughs> then sometimes they wear two watches so putting a watch on your wrong hand might be difficult. Um it on is, the other yeah. hand, So uh, who knows. Um OK, that's our defence taken care of. Right wing, says Tandem Felix. An attacking player just about to take a throw in, but as the full-back comes to relieve him of this duty, he chops the ball from his overhead position down his back and bounces off down the side of the pitch. <laughs> uh, a very specific one here, Dave. I really like this. It's got Using the curvature of your back to just get an extra few yards of the ball rolling away. That's actually quite infuriating, isn't it? But it is such a football-y act, letting the ball just roll down your back. Not even for time-wasting purposes. I think they just do it because they quite like it.
2: Like almost all of those things, there's not... There's not really anything the referee can do. They're just about exactly. They're just about making it like doing the thing they need to do, but in the in the smallest, slowest yeah. way possible. But as to not get a booking,
3: it's, it, uh, flirting with these lines is 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 exactly what it's all about. Right? That was the more kind of cynical one. Um, I'm going to do left wing in a minute because I think that's more for kind of um, fragile. Footballers. In central midfielder, Nick, how about this from Jack Pierce? A wise older midfielder, clearly too injured to continue after picking up a knock, but comes back on after treatment only to wander 30 yards in field and then sit on the ground as their sub clearly wasn't ready yet. Um, that is, I think that's actually kind of morally okay. He's given it a go and then he sit down and everyone, no one really gets annoyed when the players do that. You think, oh, we at least try. but he's, I think he's actually done. His game's over.
4: Yeah, it's important that they sit down they try and run around, they sit down on the pitch, and then they kind of sadly shake their head Yeah, no, to no-one in particular, but just, you know, I uh, gave it a go, lads, but uh, it's, it's my calf, it's gone. The only people who aren't fooled
3: by this, of course, are the opposition fans, Dave. There will all be howls of derision about this. Like, they know what he's doing, even if nobody else does.
2: Yeah, just waiting for the second that he appears to move mm. in any way comfortably <laughs> from that point <laughs> onwards. <You> know, <laughs>
3: ah, <laughs> see? <laughs>
2: <laughs> he's walking off the pitch onto his own <laughs> steam. See? <laughs>
3: <laughs> Okay, right. um, This, uh, in an eerie turn of events, um, both Alan Shepard and you, Nick Miller, cited the very same footballer for this. Even despite the fact they're not even playing anymore, here he says the diminutive cult hero midfielder, open brackets two guy, shaking the referee's hand when he substituted and then walking slowly off as he applauds all sides of the ground. Yeah, the slow moving substitute, I think, again, is a very subtle art. You have to get the pace just right
4: yeah two guy was an absolute master at this because he would you know obviously he was um in his mid 30s when he was playing for particularly playing for blackburn um so he would routinely get taken off after about 70 75 minutes and he would do he well he would do one of the things that i've got for for uh, down for winger whereas he would clock when he was about to be substituted and then Sort of shuffle to the other side of the pitch, <laughs> yeah. which obviously he wouldn't go get away with now because the mm. referee just said, "No, you need to go off of that side." Yeah, that's ruined, it not it? Yeah, but then yeah, he would he would do the um, I'm running, but I'm not actually running, yeah. kind of very slow trot. He would shake hands with the referee. He, he also used to take his shin pads off in a very kind of deliberate and ceremonial fashion as well. <laughs> I can't possibly be expected to leave the pitch with these on, kind of Yeah, thing. yeah. And he, he he would routinely waste a, a, a you know a minute maybe even more with just a single substitution it was a, it it was a real tour de force
3: i really like dave the um, the little push that he... well no he's got a, a quite quite co- Mid-level shove that an opposition player will give someone if they think they're not walking off the pitch, and it never helps. It just no. slows them down somehow. It gives them a jolt forward, and then they just stop even more. It never works. It just doesn't work. Because the and and the
2: the player going off sort of goes all
3: floppy, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like a child being yeah. lifted up to bed. Don't want to go. Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> Holding yeah, onto yeah. the
3: corner flags and not getting off the pitch. <laughs>
4: I like I like the it's it's kind of similar. It, it can be a push can be incorporated, but I like the one that usually the kind of straightforward midfielder who will run over and just have a word in their ears just to say, yeah. "Come on, mate! Come on, mate! Don't yeah. take the piss." We're cause a riot here. Little, yeah, little shove it. in the back.
3: Word of reason in the ear is better than a shove. It's true. It definitely yeah. true. I right. get quite I
2: get quite nervous sometimes or, or a- anxious rather if I'm watching like my own team and we're doing it. And if if someone's just taking a li- taking a liberties a little bit too much, I'd be like, oh,
3: is he going to get sent off before he can go and come on?
2: This That's too it. slow. That's too. Come on, just a yeah. little bit quicker.
4: Agreed. If, I'm sure this. Is, I can't think of any examples off the top of my head. I'm sure it must have happened where a player who's on a booking has been booked it's as he's going happened. off the pitch for for time wasting. Yes, 100.
3: percent That must be galling. Not getting that right. I mean, they should be teaching that at the thirteens
4: level. Imagine Also, imagine what the substitute is just about to come on of or feel he's about <laughs> to get his about to get his ten minutes. He's about to get his appearance money. That high five is not happening. <laughs> no.
3: Right, I promised you fragile left winger. Here it is. This is. I think this might be my favourite time wasting act of all, simply because it opens up a loophole in the laws that really shouldn't exist or a perceived loophole. This is from Tom as well. It says winger going down injured, realising he's off the pitch, Dave, and then <laughs> rolling back on. Bonus points for enraging home crowd. Yeah, I mean, it's such a pathetic thing to do, but clearly there's something in the rules that says, well, you're probably going to get away with it." And again, it, it, like
2: like the previous example, you you might often get like an uh, an opposing player try and roll them off or lift them up, and <laughs> yeah. again, again they go floppy and then they're like <laughs> dead weight and they can't be
3: moved. Or or they get really angry sort of flap at them, go, "Get off, get off!" <laughs> <laughs> I'm injured. Um, only at that point could could you conceive them to actually be. Quite injured. I think if they were faking it, they wouldn't get as angry. But um, but yeah, just being all floppy, very much a consistent theme here. Right, let's go up to our very cynical forward line. This is from Africa Stamps, my favourite Twitter philatelist, who says um, uh, t- A striker taking the ball into the corner, does this count as time wasting? I think it technically mm. falls onto. Uh, Time waste. I think it technically falls under time wasting, but it doesn't feel within the spirit of it. It's more running down the clock. Is it time wasting, Nick? I suppose it can, isn't, is it? I, can, got, you
2: t- can you
4: time waste while the ball's in play? This is exactly what I've got got written down here. Um, I've never really
3: thought about this. It is It is time wasting because you're is, not really playing football properly. and but It's the, not the, illegal. The, you're never going to get booked for it. So it isn't, is it? And but it is wasting time. You are wasting it's, time. And I suppose it's the same. It's, it's it's similar to where we
2: started this with the goalkeeper catching the ball. Mm. So the ball's in play there as well. Whereas all the other examples are during breaks in play or yeah. like not restarting play quick enough. But the,
4: I think I think the be, the best sort of extended uh, version of this I think I've ever seen was the um, the Euros final in the in uh, this summer mm. when Eng- England scored. The winning, what will turn out to be the winning goal, about what was it, about five six minutes before the end, and then just expertly wasted the last five or six minutes by by taking the ball into the corner and um, it, the, uh, it is it does do you think like kicking the ball against a defender's shins and it then goes out for a, a throw or corner? Crowd cheers. Does that yeah. count as time wasting?
3: I don't know.
4: I mean, imagine if it was like a bookable offence. <laughs> <laughs> just
3: taking imagine, the piss yeah. the, the, you know, the moment at which a referee goes actually you know what he's not playing properly he's, he's run down the clock and that sort of comes out you'd have yeah. to get that right wouldn't you but but I mean imagine if you sort of tried to do it in
2: any other area of the pitch <laughs> if you sort of just tried to run it into the centre circle yeah but just and <laughs> but, but try to just stop the ball dead and shield it from just get, stick your arse out and stop anyone from trying to mm. trying to get it I mean obviously you'd have more it'd be harder to do but it's just it's a quite ridiculous thing really
3: yeah I think, um, I think the art of running the clock down in the corner, Nick, isn't kind of exploited enough. You know you've got throw-in coaches and stuff. There should be people who are monitoring this behaviour because it, it could be crucial. It could be particularly crucial in a massive game. And you get players running the ball into the corner, sticking their arse out and hoping that... That that's enough to shield the ball, and then when 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 the linesman gives a very charitable goal kick, everyone just goes, "Oh, fine." And then they sort of run off. You should, if anything, if you think you're losing control of the ball, just nick it out for a throw in because that's gonna be that's gonna waste way more time. I mean, it's so much harder for that team to get the ball upfield. But players aren't thinking about this enough. I'm convinced of this.
4: And they should really this. I had this kind of almost written down for a, um, a, a centre back as well. They they should put it out for a throw in, but they should absolutely hoof it. As well, mm. even if even if the the ball boys got another ball, they sh- they can you know that's still going to waste a little bit of time. I like I like it when the cent- a ball to play down the channel and a centre back comes across to clear it. They they could just kind of tap it out of play normally, but choosing to really hoof it right into you know Rose or whatever that's a, that's quite a good, um, quite a good time wasting. Okay, thing maybe as well, maybe our um, our strike partner can
3: be. Can be charged with that task. I mean, I mean, on the on a final point, Dave, sort of cynically hitting the ball into the stands instead of instead of doing anything. It's like attempting an exaggerated shot. That's probably the saddest act of time wasting, isn't it? Because yeah. That's like, your job is to score. Like actually try and score. Or, yeah.
2: But again, but, but I get you've it. got you've got you've got such a finite window to mm. to do it and get away with it. Mm. I think you've only got a few seconds before you will obviously get an immediate booking. I think it's the same if like there's a bouncing ball, you're chasing it, the ball's gone out for a throw-in, you haven't got there, but you you've got like two seconds to sort of hoof it wherever you like before the
3: referee will book you. Wasn't there the Harry Kane one a couple of years ago where he just absolutely booted it like aimlessly? Away, I think it was at Old Trafford, and I think the the whistle had been blown for a free kick or something. And and he just no no because he would have been booked for it. So it was in open play, and he knew that the whistle was about to be blown or something. And he just he just volleyed it into the stands or halfway down all the way down the other end. And uh, well, I think it was deemed okay.
4: Well, and oh, no. I, I know this 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 line this is kind of smell of a line from after a speech. But Jeff Hurst always said that he. The, the, his hat-trick goal in the 66 World Cup final hmm. it wasn't it, it, he was just he wasn't like he wasn't trying to score but he was just trying to ha- leather it as hard as possible because if it went over it would obviously go a yeah, long especially way at Wembley it, yeah. especially at Wembley it would take yeah. ages for them to bring the ball back
3: i mean the finish kind of sort of suggested that, that was the case someone shouted at him saying you're on for the first ever hat-trick in a World Cup final <laughs> <laughs> you're going to make history here you'll probably be doing after dinner speeches about this for 50 60 years after this Um, yeah fair enough well I think we've run this ball into the corner far enough haven't we (laughs) yes Um, thanks everyone for listening thanks to Dave for editing all of this later on today
2: (laughs) the irony of us doing this this
3: podcast today
2: (laughs) oh not sure what we can do we just need to get through to next week what can we do
3: (laughs) (laughs) don't make it sound like that this is worthwhile content you know, Mark Ridley didn't just write this in out of charity. He wants to know. He wants to know, and now he does. Thanks to you also, Nick, for uh, guiding us through to the re- to the conclusion of this one. Thank you. Cheers to everyone for listening, if you did make it this far. See you next week.
4: The Athletic.
5: Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favourite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub,